Wow. Thanks. I'm innovative. Listen, this woman is so innovative. (laughs) I was just telling her this a couple weeks ago when I was wearing a beanie. I looked like I was going to rob you in the um, in whatever video it was. It was all black. Yeah, I looked like I was going to rob someone's house. Yeah, I was like. Oh, I want to wear this beanie, but like it has a logo on the front of it. And Kristen told me to Revolutionary. wear it backwards. <laughs> when I tell you, that thought never crossed my mind once. And I don't know why. Like, it just hit different now. I was like, oh my God, this this girl is an innovator. Like, I would not have thought of that. And it changed my life. And uh, I'm so happy I could <laughs> contribute to like the revolution of your fashion. Yeah. Really. But since then, I was like... I've been saying like she's smart until she's really stupid. Like that's me. I don't know. I don't know what was going on, but I would have never thought of just wearing it backwards. It was. I don't know. It was quite a moment when it happened too. Like you, you had a moment when it happened, and I knew that was hilarious in and of itself for me to experience. But yeah, literally right before we started recording this, you also brought it up, and to know that I've made that much of an impact on your life. Yeah. It's very touching. Be like, how would you describe Chris? I'd be like, innovative. Listen <laughs> to this story. <laughs> Listen to this groundbreaking story. And I'll tell it again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But I'm so you, proud. <laughs> if you can't tell by my voice or by the fact that I just tried to hide a cough, I am a little bit sicky poo this week. Yeah. Um, and so, luckily for you guys, I'm not doing the majority of the talking. <laughs> So unfortunate for you guys, I am. <laughs> so strap in. Dun, dun, dun. But before we get farther into this, happy Spooktober week three. Woo-hoo. So again, to all the people who are not watching this on either Spotify videos or YouTube, I'm sorry. But for those of you who are, can you guess what we are dressed up as? And no, we did not totally lack out on the costumes this time after we had that iconic uh wig moment i'm, so, I'm so, personally i think i had an iconic wig mo- and you looked so good as she go like it, it was a whole moment i'm like obsessed with our outfits especially for deciding the day before yeah it didn't come through nearly as well today but that's not the point what do you mean speak for yourself <laughs> My costume is entirely revolved around the fact that I texted Claire a few days before this and I was like, hey, what are we wearing for costumes for recording? And she texted me, I have a chef hat. (laughs) And that was how we decided (laughs) the costumes this week. So again, for those of you who are not watching the video, Claire is sporting a lovely chef hat. Yes. It is a super intricate costume, if you cannot tell. Very intricate. It's a little big, but it's fine. (laughs) I don't think it's that big, but... It just slowly slides down. It's going to slowly sink on your head, for sure. Yeah, and then for it'll sure. just... By the end of it, it'll just be down here. I'll be like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's because Remy's on top of your hat. Oh, yeah, I got to keep room for him. Or her. So, or they. Or they. Or they. We don't know how Remy identifies. <laughs> how dare you put him in a box? That's really rude. <laughs> After you just used him as his pronoun. I said, or her, or, sure, or they. He said, how dare you put him in a box? Oh. Edit, she's edit, not, edit, she's not edit. Woke. <laughs> she is not woke. I apologize, Remy. Oh my gosh. But I am wearing mouse ears, so therefore, I am Remy. Mm-hmm. There we go. I tried. Okay, so the plan was I was going to put like mouse whiskers and everything because I'm a mouse. Duh. 
<laughs> I stole that from Claire. Claire totally quoted that earlier, and I was like, oh, that's so cute. I should use it. <laughs> I didn't do it as well. Anyways, so we're going to do, I was going to do a whole face thing. And then I real, so I was going to use like black eyeliner to do my nose and do like whiskers to make it very clear that I'm a mouse. And then I looked up a picture of Remy, and he is all blue fur and very pink nose. So I have a lot of blush on my nose. So if it looks like I'm sick, it was because I attempted to make a pink nose and it didn't go over very well. Yeah, between the two of us, I am the sick one. <laughs> she is not. But I'm the one who looks sick. Uh, so Everything's going great. I don't know what you're talking about. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, everything's going well. Oh, also, because we're, ju- we're just jumping into it today. Mm-hmm. Hi, welcome to the Midnight Memo. I'm Kristen. And I'm Claire. Wow. Totally forgot to introduce us. Oh my goodness. Like Claire said earlier, I am telling the story for Spooktober. And it is, again, another true crime case. This is also a trick-or-treating story. Wow. I didn't think about it. It is actually dubbed the trick-or-treater murderer. Wow. Mm -hmm. Which, after listening to last week's story, I'm like, that's not very descriptive. Because it could it's also not. apply to last week's story. Like, those those words strung together also describe that scenario. Yeah. So. Very similar. Maybe they were friends. When was your story again? 1974. Okay, this was in the 50s. Oh. So, so maybe, like, your guy inspired my uh, guy's. <gasps> I didn't even think of that. T. I don't think so. When you hear the story, you'll know okay. why. But, like could be anyways i'm just gonna hop in (laughs) i don't know how to segue this very nicely but we're just gonna jump in yeah let's do it all righty so the sources for this are a lot of random google searching but truthfully with all transparency 90 percent of the inspiration of this is bailey sarian because i love her i'm obsessed with her Mm -hmm. so bailey sarian don't think you'll ever see this but on the off chance that you do that you do just know that i love you okay So, we are going to take it back. Like I said, this story is based in the 50s. The event itself happens in the 50s, but we're going to take it a little farther back to the 40s, where Peter and Betty Fabiano meet, who are the main central characters of our story. Gotcha. So, Peter was a former truck driver, and he met Betty in 1940s, like I said. Mm -hmm. Um, Betty was originally married and she actually had two kids from that previous marriage Ooh, scandy i know yes. so in 1940 she met peter and they started to date things went great and they actually got married and moved to kensington washington sorry kensington new york i'm doing great kensington All new good. york after about a year of being married in 1956 they moved to la so corner to corner what inspired the move i don't really know But we think it's for Peter to chase this idea of opening a beauty shop because he opened two beauty shops, like hair salon, beauty shops of some sort. Okay. So we went from truck driver to beauty salon stylist. Yeah, that's a quick, a sharp left. Yeah, I don't know. I want to know what inspired that. Like when, when I was reading this and I saw that, I was like. I feel like he likes extremes, though, because if he's, like, truck driver to hair salon. Yeah, like New York a- to L.A. <laughs> yeah. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, it seems like Peter did not do anything half-assed, and I kind of got to respect that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And they seem like a very normal 
kind of blended for the 50s mm-hmm. family and things are just going good until a year later on halloween night of 1957 peter and betty and his stepdaughter judy done with the trick-or-treating everything's good okay we're gonna go to bed now so the three of them get ready to bed I don't know where the second stepchild is. They I was only, gonna say they only referenced uh, Judy specifically, and I wonder if it's maybe because Judy was playing a specific role later in this next part or what. But I couldn't find anything else as to what the other child was doing. Yeah, not totally clear. But there are three people in the household mm-hmm. right now, okay. and they are all going to bed. So around 11 p.m. that night, the doorbell rings, and so kind of wakes everyone up betty looks over at peter and she's like what you doing go get the door <laughs> peter gets up grabs the bowl of candy that's by the door because he think thought processes late night trick-or-treaters like i don't know why they're coming by at 11 p.m but say, that's pretty freaking late that's pretty freaking it's, it's honestly disrespectful and i would not have blamed him if he stayed in bed truthfully like if i was someone, gonna say i was gonna stay in bed yeah right and you're not home at that point i gotta give it to my man peter like if Kids were coming to the door at 11 p.m. I had, if I was tucked in the bed, I was yeah. all good. I would not have answered the door. Yeah. If I was already sleeping, I probably wouldn't yeah. have even heard it anyway. And I'd be like, yeah. Anyways, thinks it's Kent. He's like, oh, must be trick-or-treaters. Grabs the candy bowl, goes to the door, and he opens the door. And it's reported that Betty hears Peter from the doorway. So I guess their room is close enough where she can at least hear him. Okay. And she hears this iconic line. Isn't it a little late for this? Suspicious. Okay, so she heard her husband say that? Yes. Okay. She hears Peter open the door and say, isn't it a little late for this? Which I was like, what are you... Why? Who are you greeting like that? <laughs> yeah, because like, I was yes. like, I would get it if like... He wouldn't say that to kids, I wouldn't think. Like if mm-hmm. it was children, like, oh, he would be like, okay, like, hey... Good. it's a little late but like here you go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, maybe if it, he like opened the door and realized that it like, wasn't children then he'd be like come on yeah like yeah. what are you guys doing it's a little late <laughs> like yeah that's true that's fair mm-hmm. but it, it is such a weird greeting for sure mm-hmm. I mean it's a weird situation someone's ringing your doorbell at 11pm anyway yeah. so like weird situation calls for weird greetings so Betty hears Peter at the door and then she thinks she can hear masculine voices not very sure mm-hmm. in her later statement she thinks she hears masculine voices possibly men trying to sound like women i don't know women trying to sound like men but it's like it sounds masculine s to her but not quite definitively men and then she hears a pop just a loud pop mm. so of course when you hear that she runs to the door. She runs to Peter. Yeah. Judy is now up and out of bed. Mm-hmm. The daughter, the stepdaughter, also runs to the door. Mm-hmm. And they find Peter lying on his back inside the doorway, bloody. Okay. He's down. He is not responding. So, of course, naturally, the girls freak out. And after initial shock and freaking out, she runs to the kitchen, grabs the phone, calls 911. Yeah. Judy runs out the front door and runs two doors down to her neighbor, who actually turns out to be a part of the LAPD. Okay. So she runs over to their house, <laughs> knocks on their door, wakes the whole house up. Yeah. Um, their neighbor comes to the door and she explains, like, my, my stepdad shot, you need to help me. So the neighbor gets on the phone, calls LAPD. They're there in minutes. 
and they rush Peter to the nearby hospital. Unfortunately, he is pronounced dead. They, um... He dies through, uh, via excessive bleeding. Mm. <laughs> Whatever the medical term for that is, he dead. Yeah. He is very dead. Dang. So now, okay, LAPD is there, and they're like, what What happened? Mm-hmm. So we're we're going to get in it. What, what happened here? Yeah, let's get these statements. Exactly. All right. So they... They go to Betty, and they're like, okay, they what happened? To... Betty? Oh, sorry. I thought you go to bed. Oh, Betty? B-E-D-D-Y. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like, that's cute. They go Betty by. <laughs> they actually don't take her statement. <laughs> they're like, y'all seem tired. We'll take it another time. Yeah. I mean, they ultimately do. So they go to Betty and the wife. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna have to clarify this now. No, it's just me. It's only me. <laughs> so they go to the wife and they ask her, you know, what happened? Give us your statement. And they ask all the right questions. Do you think this is targeted? Who could possibly be against your husband? Is yeah. he in trouble? Does he have any enemies? Blah blah blah. And the wife is unwell. She's upset. She just she just lost her husband. So. Mm-hmm. For a good reason, she is struggling to give them a statement and she is not helpful ultimately. So LAPD is like, okay, we get it. Yeah. We're going to go back to your house, though, and check out the doorway at the crime scene. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, they do not find any gun shows. So what was the pop? Exactly. So Betty is claiming that when she, after she saw Peter lying there on very unwell, unresponsive, and bleeding, mm-hmm. that's when she put it together that it was a gun shot yeah when the lapd go back to her house they're like there's no shells around here so so someone like cleaned it up sus yeah that's what they're trying to figure out Mm. they go examine the rest of the house and there's no evidence no clues nothing so they start thinking okay was this an attempted robbery like peter just and that kind of makes sense kind of like what we uh insinuated last week of just blind trust of strangers approaching you at your house on Halloween night, which on any other day you'd be very suspicious of. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people came to their house at 11 p.m. and approached, you know, he just opened the door to them. Probably was different in the 50s, but still just opened the door and was like, isn't it a little late for this? Mm -hmm. So the police are thinking now, okay, maybe it's an attempted robbery. They examined the entire house. Nothing was stolen. So like, okay, now it doesn't look like an attempted robbery like what they're just they're just completely stumped there's no clues there's nothing to give them anything so i guess a couple days pass and betty goes back to the lapd she gets questioned by police further what she tells them is that again as far as she can tell he has no enemies she couldn't think of anyone who could possibly hurt peter um she spoke very highly of him so so the lapd are like okay that wasn't helpful yeah uh so they start to look at her friends and family as is supposed to be the next step right they start digging into friends and family interviewing some relatives and after interviewing these people kind of reiterated what betty was saying they tell he's such a great guy yeah exactly the they tell the police oh he's such a nice guy he was so nice and so friendly like no one ever disliked him so like no one could say a mean thing about this man mm-hmm. so so after interviewing friends, family, relatives, LAPD are like, okay, this was not helpful. So let's try to go back to Betty. 
um and they try to question her one more time they're like are you sure no one liked no one disliked peter like every everything was good so betty takes a moment she's thinking about it she's trying real hard to think about it and she's like uh maybe joan rabel who is a friend who she describes as a friend of the family okay so lapd are like okay we have absolutely no other leads so sure bring joan in ask her some questions but there's nothing pointing to joan like yeah. they literally have nothing really give them any indication of holding her uh what do you what do you call it the 72 hours like basically holding her right yeah holding her hostage i know i was gonna say hostage and i was like that's definitely not the right <coughs> word but um, my true crime brain is blanking yeah i well, don't know holding her for questioning mm. um and they just have nothing so all right joan's good moving on no leads so this goes almost cold like there's nothing leading them until one day the station gets a call anonymous tip how'd you know it was gonna be anonymous wow because wow it's like you've listened to true crime before or something that's crazy so yes someone calls the station and requests to remain anonymous and they tell the police that there's a rented locker in a department store in downtown LA. So this um, person who's calling the station, they say, go to these lockers at this department store in downtown LA. And they tell the police that, believe that it is linked to the murder of Peter Fabiano. Hello. If you're hearing this, that means we have found a break in our trains of thought. I know. Kind of crazy, like our podcast isn't chaotic or something like that. <laughs> anyway, this week we have a sponsor for this episode, and our sponsor is Newsly. And you're probably wondering, what is Newsly? Well, Newsly is an all in one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time, the entire web becomes listenable, all in one place. So you can stop scrolling and start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you'd want, from sports to business to Bitcoin or even the Kardashians. And they have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. Our podcast, The Midnight Memo, will be there too. So... Make sure to check them out. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link we have down in our description. You can also use the promo code TMM and receive one month of free premium subscription. That is TMM for one month of free premium subscription. That is right. So make sure to go check us out on the Newsly app. You will not regret it. And now back to the podcast. So police are like, that's us, but we have nothing. Again, nothing. They're running on fumes. They have Mm. nothing to go off of. So they really have nothing. They have nothing to lose by going to check out this anonymous tip. Mine as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So go to the department store, um, go to this specific locker, and looky cookie, there's a gun in there examine do some gun analysis and it is in fact the gun that was used in the murder of peter fabiano so it was the gun it was the gun okay was the gun they can confirm so what's our next steps here 
find the bullet to the gun. No. No. <laughs> well, why is it in a locker at this at the department store and it's rented by someone? So oh, they I'm not to, a good detective. Claire would not be a good detective. <laughs> How's your hunter killer? <laughs> Listen, we got through the first three phases of our six phase thing. We just got the next three phases. That's what I still have an open mind, so I'm not one to judge. But like at the same time, <laughs> let me say, we did get the right answers to the first three phases. So this doesn't count. Oh, I was like, okay, as you should. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, so they, the police go to the department store and they're like, hi, QQ, quick question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, who rented this lacquer? Because we need to know. Mm-hmm. We the police warrant and everything. Um, and they find out that it is rented by a Goldine Pfizer. Pfizer? I've heard it pronounced as Pfizer, but it's spelled with a P, so Pfizer. Pfizer? Okay. Okay. Um, but by a Miss Goldine. Goldine. Yeah. What a name. Goldine. I'm trying to see if that's like a, a rearrange the letters situation. Ooh. It's not? Okay. <laughs> Continue. I didn't even think to do that. <laughs> yeah, because like sometimes when people come up with their um, alter their egos. Fake or name. Like, yeah. Let me tell you. switch around the letters. Well, little spoiler, Goldine, not that bright. Okay. <laughs> she, she was... She was doing none of that. Miss <laughs> Goldine was not. Um, so Miss Goldine worked as a medical secretary at some lab. Very unclear. But she was a secretary. She was working. Oh, so this is this is a real person. This is a real person. Oh. So So she just Okay. Yeah, this is a real person. Continue. Yep. But she didn't work at all with Peter. Like medical secretary. What does that have to do with hair? Let me see. Let me see if I can mm-hmm. finesse. Can we finish? Medical secretary. Medical as in medicine, chemicals. Chemicals go into hair products. Hair products are used at a salon. Boom. I mean, you're logicing there. I feel like this is, again, inspired by last week's episode where we were talking, the guy was talking to the chemist and we're like, why are you talking to a chemist? <laughs> yeah. How is this not suspicious? <laughs> Any red flags anywhere? <laughs> I got a few. <laughs> well, okay. So at least from the surface as a medical secretary doesn't look and did not directly work with peter and the family so the police are like what is the connection to peter and this woman Mm -hmm. they find out she was married briefly in some year i don't think i got this year right so she was married at one point but it only lasted like a couple months Mm -hmm. they were quickly divorced but um after that goldine was known to date women so ah. that we took a pip. There may have been a few reasons. There may have been other reasons, but there is at least one reason <laughs> that it looks like why this marriage didn't work out. Yeah. And again, I just want to reiterate, this was 1957. Yeah. So that was probably a big no-no. It was so taboo. Mm-hmm. And she was very open and honest with it. She was dating women. No, like she was bold. Goldine. Good for her. Bold woman. For sure. So... They don't know what's the connection between Goldine and Peter, but there's a locker with a gun that killed Peter, rented in her name. So they're like, we gotta gotta come get you. Uh (laughs) Yeah. So they bop over, find Goldine, and they go to arrest her. And immediately, she just 
her exact quotes to the police were, it's a relief to get this off my mind. <laughs> she just Good. she just starts admitting shit to them. So, yeah, again, Goldine, not a smart cookie. Mm-hmm. So she she's just like, yep, it's me. It is I. You have found me. Take me away. Interesting. Yeah. So you just like wanted to be arrested? She just wanted to be arrested. Well, I don't know about wanted to be arrested. But, but like, she was just like willing. Yeah. As soon as they were like... Hey, Goldine, what's up? And she was like, you got me. Did not put up a fight. Not at all. But the first thing she tells police is, my friend Joan told me to do it. As in Joan Rabel, who they had questioned earlier, who was the one name that Betty gave them as a possibility. So police are like, what you mean? We questioned Joan already. She's clean. She's good. And Goldine's like, no, no, no. Did they have a relationship? And she starts singing. Who's next? She starts singing. She says singing. She's like, let me tell you. Let me tell she you said, everything. Let me She's- warm up first. <laughs> <laughs> She's there spilling tea. Wait, who's they? Who I was going to say Joan they? and Goldine. Ooh. Goldine may not have been a smart cookie, but it seems like Claire is a smart cookie. So... We're going to back up. So Goldine starts talking to the police. Mm. And she's she's just laying it all out there for them. So she tells them that Joan actually was a former employee of Peter. Okay. And she's she's singing this. She's singing this. Full wow. song. Breaking into song. We're in the musicals now. Oh my god. Wait. In what style? In a five, <laughs> six, seven? <laughs> you say one word wrong. Don't even finish your thoughts. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so Joan was a former employee of Peter's at one of his beauty shops. And Goldine is like, she just talked me into it. She talked me into this crime. Imagine. What if I came up to you and I was like, listen, Kristen, I'm thinking. That's what I'm saying. I'm gonna go. I would like want this guy dead. Could you go shoot him for me? No, that's literally what happened, though. Like spoilers. But like, that's literally what happened is. So girl, when they say ride or die. (laughs) Literally. So what Joan starts telling the police is she's like, listen, my friend Joan, we've been friends for a couple of years and we've been planning this murder for three months. Yes. You're saying it took you three months to not come up with a different alias name to rent the locker under? Yes. Girl. She had three months to plan this and we did not have an execution plan. Like, again, spoilers for our head, but like we did not have an execution plan. Cool, cool, cool. So Joan, Goldine is just not doing well but, she, but she's just giving police everything they need so like we love that yeah. not after a hard time of absolutely no leads yeah the police are now getting everything they need so she godine tells the police that in the three months that they were planning this that was all they talked about they were obsessed with peter fabiano that's all they talked about and she describes joan as being so thoroughly obsessed with peter she would describe him as vile, an evil man who would destroy anyone around him and just basically being an overall terrible human being. So completely the opposite of what everyone else in Peter's life was describing him as. Yeah. Joan is saying genuinely like he is the worst person alive. Like starts he even she even goes as far as like says that he sells drugs out of his house and like just paints him absolutely horrible to Goldine who has nothing to do with this man i'm so sorry i just thought of 
putting him in the Mean Girls burn book. You know, when Tina Fey, like Lindsay Lohan's character accused Tina Fey's character of being a pusher. Oh my God, yeah. But it's just him. It's yeah. just Peter it's just in the Peter. burn book. Yeah, essentially. Continue. Joan is absolutely Regina George in this man. <laughs> absolutely. Which is so weird. Like, why? I mean, I get, like, not liking your boss or, like, having whatever. Sure. But in what ways did she, like, interact with him to where she was like, this man is so vile? Because mm-hmm. I don't know how hair shops work, Mm-mm. to be quite honest, especially back in the 50s. But mm-hmm. I feel like if you're an owner, you're kind of in and out and you're not spending a whole lot of time there. So it's like... Yeah. Was Joan like a hairdresser? So Joan actually was a photographer slash writer. Okay. So I'm assuming that she was hired to take pictures for the salon. Okay. It's not totally clear. Um, but yeah, we're assuming pictures, something in that repertoire for the salon. But like you said, Peter was running the show. So yeah, she was working for the salon uh, underneath Peter and Betty and ultimately, it does say later on that Joan becomes a family friend. Like how Betty described when Betty listed Joan as a possible person, she did describe Joan as a family friend. Right. So she does at some point as she's working at this hair salon under Peter, she does at least develop to be close enough to the to the family to be considered a family friend. Right. So I don't know where this went wrong. Yeah, like where the hatred is. Yeah. So Goldine is just telling the police that the way Joan speaks of Peter is, it would have you convinced that this man was Satan himself, like the absolute worst human being. Mm -hmm. And so police are wondering a lot of the same things that you are. Like, how did they interact to the point where Joan would have this opinion of that? of him right joan was a freelance photographer she was hired probably to do photography of some sorts so he hires joan starts introducing her to the people at the salon and of course joan meets peter's wife betty Mm. and betty quickly becomes joan's obsession actually oh so joan is okay continue sorry no what do you think what do you think i was thinking okay so my suspicion is your suspicions if we collect all the evidence together what we know so far goldine uh-huh. is swinging for the same team and yes. she could potentially have a relationship with joan uh-huh. but if joan joan's obsession was with betty then she probably wanted to get the husband out of the way because she wants to be with betty i mean yeah you solved it <laughs> Yes. So essentially, continue. Essentially, yes. Joan is obsessed with Betty until one day, Peter and Betty get into a little argument. They start oh, going through a rough patch I gotcha. in their relationship. Mm-hmm. They're constantly bickering. They're always fighting, and Betty just—it's too much for her. So she thinks that the best thing that she can do is move out. She's like, "Look, this is this is not working out. We need a." We need, we need to separate. Yeah, yeah, we need to separate. I need my own space. I'm going to take the kids, though. And I'm going to move out. Mm-hmm. And where does she go? Whose house happens to offer be offered up? But Joan. Whoa. But a Who Joan. Who would have guessed? So Betty just falls into Joan's place. And so 
the way it is reported in the newspapers now after you know after this story things have happened uh and the newspapers reporting back on this have described uh joan and betty's relationship to be abnormal okay newspapers of the 50s they would never Mm. imply that there are two women swinging for each other you know they would never imply that so they described it as abnormal and it's never confirmed or denied but it is strongly insinuated that joan and betty were either a couple or at the very least in some type of sexual relationship okay of some sort we're not totally like we don't know if it was like romantic romantic or just like raw pleasure or what it was but there was there was some type of romantic connection between these two as pointed out as abnormal um and that's how goldine sees it as she is telling the police okay um wait goldine sees it as abnormal or sees it as a relationship oh goldine okay, it tells the police like that was a relationship okay gotcha i was gonna say but goldine is also <laughs> Yeah, so Goldine, yeah, Goldine knows who's playing for the teams. Okay. Um, or at least we think. So she tells the police that Betty and Joan were in a relationship. Betty is living with Joan. Um, they are lovers of some sort. But this doesn't last long. At some point, Betty kind of, I don't want to say figures it out, but like she, I guess having some time and space away from Peter, she realizes, I miss him. I love him. And I want to work things out with him. Okay. Joan's not happy with that. But Betty goes back to Peter and tells him, you know, I want to work on this. And Peter seems to want to work things out with her as well. Mm -hmm. But only on one condition, that she can't see Joan anymore. Oof. I don't even... Okay. This would be a a difficult situation. (laughs) Mostly. (laughs) Because I'm like, okay, if I'm looking at it from Joan's perspective right? right pov you're joan pov we're joan <laughs> um and you obviously are in love with this person yeah you've now had a romantic relationship as presumed romantic relationship an abnormal relationship and then all of a sudden they're like oh i want to go back with, to my ex oh i want like oh yeah that would fucking stay yeah and especially be like oh and because i'm going back to my ex I'm not going to have any contact with you anymore. Sure. Bye. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I would be pissed, too. I'll be pretty I also understand. Pe- I mean, I also understand Peter. Like, you know, he's taking his wife. Like, that's still his wife. They are still married. Mm-hmm. So he's taking his wife back. I understand why he does not want Betty to associate with Joan at all. Like, I would. you do not want your boo talking to any of their exes, let alone an ex-lover. Mm-hmm. So I understand yeah. why he... That was his, uh, what do you call it? His deal breaker. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I was Joan, mm-mm. yeah. And hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. That is true. So that is true. Listen, men out there, women are petty. Women are so petty. Joan is pissed, and yeah. she is fixated on revenge. She is obsessed with, or not fixated on revenge. But Joan is obsessed with winning betty back like that's her love at this Mm -hmm. point she's obsessed with betty before obsessed with betty now and she's like i need to win her back and in her eyes there is only one obstacle Mm. because she had betty they were in a relationship of some sorts Mm -hmm. like and now peter just comes in in joan's eyes 
and just forces Betty to cut, you know, cut ties, cut off their relationship and break up with her. Yeah. So, yeah, she's pretty pissed and she sees Peter as the direct problem. Mm -hmm. So I think we can all assume where Joan's devious little brain is going. Mm -hmm. Um, But so also after being dumped, you know, you're you're lonely. Mm hmm. You might have a booty call or two. Yeah, it's the um, the rebound. Mm-hmm. Respectfully, this is where Goldine enters our picture. So, mm-hmm. like Goldine was telling the police, they had been friends for years. Okay. Um, Goldine and Joan. Mm-hmm. They had been friends for a while. And I guess maybe just ties. You know, they were not communicating regularly. But in her loneliness, Joan reaches out to Goldine and is like... It's killing me and I, I must confess, I still believe, I still believe. Okay. Okay. After that moment. <laughs> that was Goldine. That was in the Go- interrogation room. That sh- or was it Joan? I don't know. Oh. Goldine was the one that was singing though, right? Well, that could be Joan singing to Goldine to try to win her over. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Anyways. So... Joan reaches out to Goldine. She's like, hey, ring ring, you up, boo. Um, And Goldine enters the picture. Again, they start hanging out pretty regularly. And things, you know, kind of as I've been told the lesbian trope of just moving fast. Yes, it is a stereotype where they just, uh, what is it? Like the U-Haul lesbians? Yeah, U-Haul lesbians, yes. So, yeah, things, things move quick and they are quickly suddenly in a relationship. And Joan, one of the reasons why Joan chose Goldine is Goldine has apparently been very forward in having a fat crush on Joan. Joan knew it, but obviously didn't really feel the same way. She's still in love with Betty. She's in love with Betty, but she's just lonely. So she need she wants a rebound, like you said. Mm. Um, I don't know how much Goldine knew this in the time, but she was very happy with, you know, now she got her... In Goldie's eyes, she has her girl. Yeah. They're dating. Everything's are going everything's going great. It's moving really fast. They're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Go, go, go. Um, but pretty quickly she realized that Joan was actually not over her ex, as would often happen. Mm-hmm. And especially realizing that she is the rebound, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So Goldine describes that Joan was constantly talking about Betty and specifically how abusive peter was to her Ooh, yeah so despite them being in a relationship together Mm -hmm. joan cannot stop talking about her ex as happens Mm -hmm. she's so joan's just telling just word vomiting to goldine about peter all the time she she even starts like i said earlier making up stuff like saying he was on drugs he was selling drugs out of his house and Mm. that's how he funded money for his businesses Mm. scandy scandy and like i've said before goldine had never met peter or betty so in her eyes it's her girlfriend or even just like a friend telling you about a horrible man yeah Yeah. a horrible man one of their friends seeing betty as either an ex or a friend however much she wants to disassociate with that reality yeah um being trapped in this terrible marriage with this abusive man and goldine just feels nothing but empathy for betty and is like oh my god we need to help her Mm -hmm. we need to help her get out of this terrible marriage yeah what do we need to do and 
she just allowed herself to believe anything that Joan was telling her. She was just taking it all in. And again, they trash talked this man for months. Yeah. Months and months and months. So after a lot of trash talking on Peter, Joan's like dangles the idea and she's like, hey, we feel so bad for Betty. You know, she's she's trapped in this abusive relationship. Should mm-hmm. we kill him? Should we kill Peter? So, you know, yes. to save Betty. We need to save our friend Pe- Betty. Yeah. And her children. And if we kill Peter, he will stop abusing people and his children. And Betty will finally be set free. This mm-hmm. is how Joan sells it to Goldine. Right. And little Goldine is like, you're right. That's absolutely how we should do it. So... Again, Goldine's not the brightest, but she was like, yeah, absolutely. We should save Betty. So on October 21st, mm-hmm. they Goldine goes over to a little shop in Pasadena. Again, they're in LA. So mm-hmm. I've been told that's a nearby city county mm-hmm. thing. It is. So she just bopped a little over, went over to Pasadena and goes to the shop to buy a gun. Goldine goes to buy the gun. Mm. And she tells the guy behind the counter that she needs a gun for home protection okay interesting so he gets the gun gives it to goldine but joan pays for it joan goes and gives goldine the money to buy the gun okay but goldine is buying the gun and okay so joan just like doesn't want to be associated with buying the gun Mm -hmm. like she doesn't want to be seen there she doesn't want to like i'm not clear if she was like in the gun shop with goldine i don't know how much of that is a technicality Mm -hmm. but like no paper trail at least yeah okay so but at the bottom at the very least so i'm again i'm not sure if she's there in the shop she might have been but it's at least very clear that joan gives goldine the money to buy the gun Mm -hmm. and she also gives tells her to purchase either tells her or tells the shop man um ask them for two bullets so they buy one gun and two bullets why two bullets specifically i don't know because we only heard one gunshot. Mm-hmm. But two bullets. Maybe if she, Goldine missed the first time. <laughs> Maybe. But jo- that just goes to show how much Joan really thought of Goldine <laughs> at that point. I don't know. Or maybe she had a different use for it. Yeah, I don't know. That's not clear. I just thought it was so weird that it was two bullets. Like, very specifically, two bullets. Mm, okay. But after they buy the gun, Joan directs Goldine and she tells her, Take this home, keep it in a safe place, and I'll meet up with you on Halloween. So, Goldine does exactly what Joan tells her. Takes the gun home, puts it away, keeps it safe, and waits 10 days until Halloween night. Now, on Halloween night, Joan comes over to Goldine's house, actually. Okay. And she has some blue jeans, Mm. khaki jackets, Mm -hmm. hats, eye masks, and I think it's even reported gloves as well. Not totally sure on that. But I think I saw a few sources that say they have gloves. So basically fully suited up. Yeah. But I still don't know where the black jeans and the khaki jackets come in. Okay. Like, I, like what are you dressing up as? Someone who's going to rob yeah, your house? I guess so. I don't know. But I, I was like, such a, <laughs> such a weird description. Mm-hmm. But they dress up. They get dressed in the jeans and khaki jackets, whatever that means. Yeah. And they decide to put the gun in a paper bag. Like, they're going to go trick-or-treating. Who trick-or-treats with a paper bag? I don't know. It's the 50s, though. Maybe? I don't know how trick-or-treating worked in the 50s. Listen, I feel like we need to do some research. Because, <laughs> like, when I think of a paper bag, I'm like, if you're holding it, 
is either your lunch <laughs> at school or the um, you're hiding alcohol. Yeah, that's like, how we know like paper bags trick or today. Treat. I don't know. But may- I mean, this was the 50s. Maybe that's how they did. Tr- like, I don't think they had. Did they have plastic trick or treating bags back in the 50s? I don't know. I don't know either. We'd have to ask our parents. Hmm. So they put the gun in a paper bag. Okay. To look like it's trick or treating. Okay. In their, again, khaki jackets and jeans mm. as their costumes. Whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. Um, so they get dressed and they bop over to Peter's house at mm. 9 p.m. Mm. But they park a little a little ways away from the house. So not directly in front of the house. And they decide that they're going to sit, like, wait in the car a little bit down the road. And they're just going to wait until the lights go out at the house. Okay. They're going to wait till everyone goes to bed. Mm. So they wait for a little bit. Lights go out. Go up to the house. Goldine rings the doorbell. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens at first. This is when Peter is, as we know now, like getting out of bed, mm-hmm. slowly figuring out. Goldine starts knocking, ringing the doorbell until finally Peter answers. She lifts up the paper bag with the gun in it, mm-hmm. shoots, hits Peter, kills him. Then they run back to the car and drive away. So obviously they have thought in great detail, but also like kind of not great detail. Because again, I can't get over this costume. And I was like, okay, so they go up to the door. Yeah. Obviously they're not child sized. Right. So that makes sense why Peter was like, what? His comment now makes sense. Absolutely. Like, hello? Yeah. I wonder, I really want to know, and we'll never know because he's dead. Like if he recognized them as like two women dressed as, because they had. Because you said they had eye masks. Yeah. So well, that's what is said. that like sleeping eye masks or like I'm assuming like hamburger eye okay. Oh maybe. I don't know. But like at least something to like cover Yeah. Distinguishable facial features. <laughs> Imagine you're wrong with an eye mask and you can't even see them. Uh, okay. <laughs> I know, why would you even ask that as a question? Because you said <laughs> eye mask. So I was like eye mask? <laughs> How was this helpful? That's why she needed two bullets because she knew she was gonna miss the first one. Close contacts still can't find it. Like, okay, one, two. <laughs> Can you imagine it just goes over each shoulder, like just absolutely? <laughs> and then he's just there with candy, like you want raisins. You know, Peter seemed like a stand-up guy. I really hope he wasn't a raisin giver. If he was, then I would support this action. Go back and be like, yo, Joan, I got a question. Was he giving out raisins? Yeah. If I was a detective on the case, as we've already clarified, I would not be a good detective on this case. They'd be asking all the right questions. And I'd be like, but did he give you raisins? But did he give out raisins? You're free to leave. (laughs) Nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. Saw no crime. It was warranted. It was warranted. Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't don't be a cop either. Don't be a cop. Don't be a detective. Don't do it. I won't. (laughs) But so again, they planned out some things. Um, They've talked in great detail about how they plan to kill Peter Mm -hmm. for three months. Right. First of all, they borrowed the car that they drove in. They borrowed it from a friend, Mm -hmm. Margaret. Not really the case here, but they they borrowed it from a friend, (laughs) which already I'm like, 
You had so much time to plan. You couldn't find, you couldn't get a car into, like this was the 50s. I don't feel like there was a lot of requirements needed to get a car. Mm-hmm. But they borrowed a car, they borrowed the car from their friend, drop off the car back at their friend's house. And at some point they burned their clothes, burning the evidence. So okay. they're trying to, they're trying to cover their tracks very quickly. Okay. Um, Drop off the car, burn the clothes. Cool. And as they are leaving, Joan turns to Goldine and says, forget you ever knew me. Ugh. Like, legit. Just just turns to this woman who she's it's like dating. A- Again, this is like her girlfriend. Yeah. And she just says, forget you ever knew me. And then Walks did away. The, the Simpson thing into the bush. Yeah, literally. Oh my she just gosh. peaced out. She just left Girl, this bitch. I would be like, listen, I just literally murdered someone for you. Right? So I think it makes, it absolutely makes sense why Goldine, when the police came to arrest her, she was like, you got me. Yeah. She was like, but if anything, like, I I don't know. Because, like, yes, I'm guilty. But also, like, I would immediately be like, it was Joan. Well, she did. She Well, she she did both, right? She was like, yeah. you got me. It's me. But she did. One of the first things she said was, my friend Joan told me to. Oh, right, right, right. So she, a little bit of both. She didn't put up any fight, but mm-hmm. she did. She was real quick to point the finger also and be like, Joan told me to do it. Yeah. And then she tells them literally everything. She tells them her relation with Joan, how Joan's obsessed with Betty. And she's like, it was all Joan's fault. She hated Peter. And that's why we had to kill him. Mm-hmm. Kristen, if I wanted to kill someone... I would at least make sure we had an end goal. Because it sounds like... It sounds like... Not saying I would. Strike that for the record. Allegedly. Allegedly. But, like... Because it... So it sounds like... They didn't have a plan. Like... They didn't have a plan. Mm -hmm. Despite how much they talked... Like... Goldine says that they talked about this for three months. But then they just went... They bought a gun... Or maybe she dangled, maybe she just like dangled the idea of like killing Peter for three months. And then suddenly 10 days before she tells Joan, or sorry, Joan tells Goldine, we're getting a gun. They go to get the gun and she's like, okay, hold on to this for me for 10 days. And they didn't figure out an execution plan. And after they do the deed, Joan just walks away. So Goldine now has the murder weapon. Mm -hmm. Her girlfriend just broke up with her. Mm -hmm. What's a girl to do? Rent a locker. Rent a locker. And hide it in there and hope for the best. Yeah. So how she got caught. I mean, yeah, I was the gonna an- say, who's, yeah, we don't know. Anonymous tip. But whoever this anonymous tip was, they, despite how sh- stupid we're calling this, like police had literally no, they kept the gun inside the bag when they shot. That's how the casings were caught. Where did the casings go? That's it's magic. It's magic. Well, not only it's not stated. Was Goldine a shooter? She was also a magician. <laughs> She's multi-talented. <laughs> this medical assistant, her magician. Yeah. No, I mean, well, okay, it's not stated directly, but that's my assumption. Like, if they, if she left the gun in the bag, and I think that's also why she, why Betty heard a pop of the gun going off in the mm. bag. Yeah, yeah. But if it popped, then wouldn't it drop the casings? I don't know. Again, not. Sh- Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like, okay, if you're... <laughs> have a gun. And it's in a uh, paper bag. It would shoot out. The pop would go this way. Yeah. So, like, the case would probably... Still fall. Still fall in the bag. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes. I think that's what it was then. Mm. Not not clear. I don't know the police reports to totally say that definitively, but I want to believe that that's why there was no evidence. And supposedly, if they did have gloves, like I believe I read in one report, that ex- and I mean Peter opened the door. They just shot and left, right? So that makes sense why there was no fingerprints. There was no real marks. And there was not a lot of evidence that yeah. the police had anything to go off of. So, truthfully, without that anonymous tip, I think they would have gotten away with it. But because they did not have an execution plan of what to do afterwards, and Goldine rented the locker in her literal name, yeah, it also quickly pointed to them. Interesting. I, I feel like, what if Goldine was the person who did the anonymous tip? That's what I was thinking, too. Because, like, if I was in Goldine's position, now new POV. New POV. <laughs> new POV. You're Goldine. You literally just murdered for your girlfriend, and then your girlfriend was like, peace. Yeah. Um, like, broke up and fully ghosted. Yeah. And then, like, Forget you're you now. Know me. Yeah. And, like, you now have the responsibility of, like, I have. Ooh. Your ghost is coming out again. I know. He's very interested he's in very the story. He's very interested in the story. I now have the murder weapon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So now if anything were to happen, it's automatically on me. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, I'm going to go rent the locker. But inside, I'm building resentment towards you. For sure. For literally like turning my whole life upside down. Like I literally sacrificed everything for you. And then you're just going to be like, bye. Yeah. No. Like if I'm going to... I kind of want to get back at you. Mm-hmm. But is so. it worth turning yourself... Is it worth you getting arrested? Because Joan was kind of smart in making Goldine do all of her dirty work. Like, the, even though it was Joan's money that bought the gun, mm-hmm. technically, Goldine bought it. Yeah. Technically, Goldine purchased the bullets. Technically, Goldine pulled the trigger. Well, I'm not... I feel like in this situation... Mm-hmm. We have not given or not said that Goldine was the sharpest tool in the show. <laughs> what do you mean? So, I mean, if she's singing to these police officers, <laughs> like, listen. <laughs> what was she like? <laughs> she said, listen. Um, I don't know. I feel like in some ways, getting arrested yourself, but also taking someone down with you would be really good revenge i saw this comedian we're gonna lighten it up a little bit i saw this comedian who was uh he had a little bit talking about what bugs were gay or not that's not the point but (laughs) (laughs) just just a slight left (laughs) one bug was named goldine and the other one was named joan just follow this for a second okay just follow this for a second so he was talking about bees and he was like bees are gay as hell and i was like interesting i would not have thought of bees gay like do tell me more and he's like these motherfuckers will sting a bitch and die for it that's not the most petty thing i've heard that's gay as hell and i'm like so that perfectly describes this moment i'm not saying he's right but like the shoe's fitting right now all right all right all right so Little did we know. Little did we know. Goldine actually went in in a, uh, what is it? A yellow and black striped. <laughs> the khakis were actually striped. The jeans were actually striped. It's actually a bumblebee mm-hmm. outfit. Maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. 
Wanda was good. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I want to cry. Continue. <laughs> she put her hat over her head. <laughs> it's because it's too big, right? Yeah. It fell. It's just slowly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, so maybe. Yeah, maybe she was just petty enough where she's like, I don't care what it what it takes. Yeah. I'll take this bitch down. Yeah. Or it could also be like, do I still love her? Because Wait, T, explain that. Because say like I still love you. Uh-huh. So if I'm going to jail, I'm going to take you with me, and then we're going to be stuck in jail together. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. Twisted lovers. Twisted. It's definitely a possibility. It seems like what Goldine is telling the police is... Like, how she describes Joan as being, like, so obsessed with Betty and realizing that she was kind of the rebound, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much that is true. It sounds like she was more scorned, but maybe, like, residually. Yeah, she wanted to be with Joan forever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope, you know, we say the bar is low for men. I would hope. You know, Goldine just picked it up a little bit for I know for Joan, and I would um, say like to not be the rebound. You know, to see that she was being you. She was very easy, like obviously very being easy. used. Yeah, yeah she manipulated. was being manipulated. She was just going with Jones, and it unfortunately it sounds like she was being very empathetic, and it just led to her being easily manipulated for Jones' agenda. Mm-hmm. But I mean, hopefully, she realized that she was the rebound, and that was ultimately what. Joan was doing to her, but who's to say? Maybe, yeah, maybe she was diehard pits of hell. Like, lovers. I mean, considering what Joan did for Betty, like, I don't think it's completely out of the question That's to be like, so true, though, you know, yeah, just like a vicious cycle. Yeah, Joan was willing to kill for Betty, and Goldine was... being willing to kill for Joan. Yeah, yeah, that's. I didn't even think about that, but I think that's a definite possibility. Mm. Huh. Goldine, honey. Oh, Goldine. But yeah, like you said, Goldine, you know, she killed for Jones and she was being weighed down by the guilt of killing someone, the grief of being dumped and now stuck with the gun. Mm. No cleanup plan. Yeah. Police think that Goldine quickly realized, hopefully, when she was, you know, her girlfriend's gone, she's stuck with the gun. Um, that she realized that she was being used the whole time and that her relation their relationship wasn't real joan didn't really love her mm-hmm. and they think that in her hurt feelings it led to this ultimately this confession mm-hmm. but who's to say so final verdicts luckily because goldine confessed literally everything mm-hmm. and Painted the whole picture for the police. It was a real quick arrest. Uh, <laughs> good, good, they good. Were, they were both arrested, but Goldine pleads insanity. Yeah. Huh. Okay. She gets a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and she tells the psychiatrist, this was a quote, I had no motive personally. Whatever motive I had was to please Joan. I was always easily influenced, and I have been impressionable and always trusting. So you're just saying you're gullible? Yeah. 
Which, okay. I mean, like, it tracks with what we've seen. Yeah. From Goldine. But I agree. It kind of just feels like a half-assed, like, Hail Mary of, like, eh. Yeah. Like, yes, maybe she was impressionable, but, like, can you really not tell, like, you murdered for this woman. Like, yeah. Do we not stop? I don't know. I don't know. Or is that definitionally insane? I don't know. I I don't think so. I don't think that's insane. I don't think she could plead insanity, especially if she's the one that hired a psychiatrist. Yeah, that's so true. Well, the psychiatrist did not agree with you. Um, She reports Goldine's only thought was that she needed to save her friend Joan from an evil man. So it sounds like the psychiatrist agreed with Goldine to some degree. I don't know what their final verdict was, but mm-hmm. they were at least easily swayed by uh, Goldine's plea. I mean, I don't think that she was insane. However, the layout of the whole story, it wasn't her motive. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it was Joan's motive. So I could see why they would be like, I guess like, technically you could find a, a way of or like a loophole of being like she's not guilty because it wasn't her motive she's mm-hmm. she wasn't the one that set out to um shoot peter like it yeah. was jones intention yeah i think that's where it's like tough and it's a technicality right of like yeah. yes she had no motive if she had like she said if she had any motive it was really jones motives but like i said before she technically bought the gun she technically bought the bullets and mm-hmm. she technically pulled the trigger mm-hmm. so she still committed the final acts yeah and so that's when it comes into like the was she of sound mind when she was making these mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's why she was pleading for insanity yeah again i don't i i agree with you i don't think she is insane i think she just had no respectfully like no, don't come haunt me goldine but like <laughs> at least no backbone to stand up to Joan and just was like molded by whatever like her faith almost servant right like yeah, whatever she was just you blinded want. by um her yeah. love for Joan but when you're blinded by love is that is that not insanity argumentatively mm, I don't know mm. I've never been in this position <laughs> damn <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> listen if someone was like if Bud were to come up to me and be like we're gonna go shoot someone. I'd be like, hold on. And then he'd Tell be like, me more first. I'd be like, okay, what? And then he'd be like, you're buying the gun. I'd be like, ha ha, no. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would really <laughs> hope that would be the thought process. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. You're not a ride when, like, self-pres- but- like, that's when, I don't know. It's like, doesn't mean I wouldn't support you in your actions or help you cover up later. But I why support, would, like, I support your money. I just will not do it. Like, why would I do it for you? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Acts of service. Love <laughs> when language? your love language when is your love language service? is acts of service. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Well, if you thought that was insane, Joan pleads innocent. This bitch is like, wasn't me. I didn't. Nay, nay, was not me. Yeah. So she pleads innocent, which mm-hmm. that's insane in and of itself. So she should be pleading insanity. Yeah, I think they should be switching up their pleas, but it's fine. Ultimately, both women were sentenced to five years to life in prison. After they took a plea deal, 
and were able to reduce their charge from first degree murder to second degree murder. I don't know exactly the specifics of that. Okay. Other than they reduced their sentence. Okay. And they were still charged with murder, but it's second degree rather than first degree. Want to go back to like how we were just saying, and unfortunately I did not record it, about like who's more insane here? Like Joan for wanting to kill her ex-lover's husband who she sees as the direct barrier between why she's not with the woman she's in love with or Goldine, who was convinced into killing her current lover's ex-lover's husband mm-hmm. to save her current lover's ex-lover from this supposed threat i think we know joan, now it's a supposed yeah threat, but. i think joan is more insane just in general as she and Goldine, unfortunately is just very gullible and trustworthy and like a ride or die but like I feel I like think... that's more dangerous. I don't know. Ignorance is dangerous, dude. Ignorance is ignorance, but I and it's dangerous, but it's not insane. You know? Like, yes, I, I do see that. But it's just so terrifying how there was no thought or filter of like, hmm, this could be a bad idea. Yeah. Like it she sounds could be like until after. Being easy to manipulate i don't think would register or is like equivalent to being insane like joan was insane because she's like let me hatch this idea yeah you know but then i'm gonna kill this man yeah goldine not so much insane but just more of like a okay (laughs) you know like yeah so i think joan is insane unfortunately goldine is just not dumb or not smart <laughs> she's not dumb she's ignorant she's yeah uh, i don't know because she really it seems that she at least in the end she realized she, she was being used which sucks but she at least put the dots together mm. i don't know i don't know okay i still stand by goldine being the anonymous step i think that makes the most sense absolutely because unless it's margaret the Who friend was- that the friend that they borrowed the car from yeah, but how would Margaret have known about the gun in the locker? I mean, if they were close... And this is just me stretching. If they were close enough to borrow her car, maybe... Like, obviously, they see... And I don't know if they, being Joan, sees her more as a friend, or if Goldine saw her more as a friend, but if it is Goldine who sees her more as a friend, maybe Goldine told her something. Especially if she was lonely from her being iced out by Joan. Like, she needs a friend. Maybe. Goes to Margaret, continues the cycle of being a toxic, just like hop into a person, but tells Margaret. I don't know. But I do I do agree with you ultimately. Like I do think it was probably Goldine, but mm-hmm. I think there's all there's one other possible person mm-hmm. of it being Margaret. Yeah. I mean she saw these bitches burn their clothes at her place. Like she had to know some shit oh, was going uh, down. That's fair, yeah. Like, true, she might not have known about the gun, but she was at least close enough where these bitches were like, we can burn our clothes at Margaret's place. Yeah. <laughs> if I come over to your apartment, I'm like, hey, Preston, can I burn these clothes here? I'd have a few questions. <laughs> no questions. <laughs> no questions, no qualms. Yeah. That, that would be strange. Okay. But I think the more likely choice is it probably was Goldine. Mm-hmm. Makes the most sense, I think. Bitches be crazy. TLDR. Yeah. We don't love enough, her. apparently. I mean, I love hard, but not, not that, that bad. hard. Yeah. My love has limits. Literally, I guess it's like, I wouldn't 
I would be p- petty about it, but not like vengeful. I don't yeah. know, like dark vengeful. Like I would just fuck with you a lot. Yeah. I'll be petty till the end of time for sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm not willing to kill. Yeah. Like I would make your life very inconvenient at yeah. any opportunity I could. Oh, absolutely. But I wouldn't kill you. I wouldn't be like, I'm gonna hatch a plan. And, uh, <laughs> This bitch hatched a plan. Yeah. I I still can't wrap my head around. We talked about this for three months, but then it all went down in 10 days and we didn't really plan besides when we went, we bought the gun and then she was like, okay, hold that for 10 days. Okay. Bye. Like that was the whole plan. That was the whole plan. Not a great plan. No, not a, like you had three months to concoct this. And we didn't do much beyond that. Yeah. Hope you're doing better out there, Goldine. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Goldine. R.I.P. Goldine. R.I.P. Peter. Oh, yeah. Pe- <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> the essential murder victim of this. Uh, I always forget about men. I think it's just now ingrained in my brain. It so. do be like that sometimes. <laughs> so... Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week for another true crime case. Um, I kind of love these. So this is so fun. Yeah. In the you um, solved that too quick. I had like four more pages of notes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then you're like, I figured it out, Betty and Goldine, and I was like, You're like, no. And I was like, Shut up, Claire. <laughs> like I didn't ask for you to share your opinion yet. <laughs> I am telling Why a don't story, you Claire. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um thank you so much for joining us i hope you guys are having a good morning afternoon evening whenever you're listening to this have a wonderful spooktober yes in the spirit of october spooktober halloween everything fall um yeah i hope you guys are enjoying this series we have going on so if you haven't already make sure to subscribe to our youtube channel follow Mm -hmm. us and leave us reviews on our apple Podcasts and spotify um, that would really help us out. Yeah. And then if you want to follow us on our, any of our other social media platforms, they'll be on the screen somewhere. Make sure to do that. Gestures. Uh, we make new episodes every Tuesday. So come back <laughs> and listen. Leave comments down below or reach out to us, like Claire said, on our social media platforms to suggest what you want the unfortunate, I believe, mm-hmm. last episode of Spooktober our last true crime case of Spooktober to be. <laughs> Maybe we'll do two. Maybe we'll do like one each. Should we have like, like an, short? an anonymous third party person to come to tell the story and you and I have to solve the case Oh my live. God. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Wait, we'll deliberate that. We'll, we'll... Don't worry. It'll be true crime. Yes. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs>